For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Take the Black Live, the show where myself, Dan Sandler, and Cheryl Wallstrom, talk all things Game of Thrones, Slime, Western Fire, Fantasy Fiction, Sci-Fi, Genre, all that stuff. We are not actually live today uh, because of some boring behind-the-scenes technical stuff. We will usually, this is a pre-tape show. Cheryl, how is your pre-tape self feeling? <laughs> My pre-tape self is fine. Uh, you know, enjoying the lovely weather outside. Ugh. Oh my god, it's so nice. It is so nice. How are you, Dan? I'm good. I'm coming down from, you know, the Game of Thrones high. We gotta yeah. we gotta make a new normal here. We're in a whole new era. We are. You know, I'm pretty excited about it, because there's there's a whole world stuff I wanna talk about. But you know, we're not quite done with the well, Game of, of Thrones not. Fallout or the what comes next. There's stuff coming next. I thought we would ta- start today uh, by talking about some of the fallout that's still happening with Isaac Hempstead Wright, who plays Bran Stark. Right. Telling, um, I think he just told HBO's Picking Game of Thrones blog, basically talking about, um, you know, how he found out that Bran was going to be the king of Westeros. And I think the interesting bit here that fans are talking about was that he said, which isn't really a surprise, but it is kind of cool to get it confirmed, that yes, it is George R. R. Martin's idea to make Bran king of Westeros. I could read his quote, but that's the gist of it. Uh, yeah. So I, I think I think that's that's we've we've gotten it. We've yeah. we've found that. I mean, we knew that. I think. Yeah. Like, I I didn't think that it was going to be. Cha- I think Denny's will burn the city. The mm. question more is. Okay, I guess it's like a two prong question. Oh, okay. Does this make you more or less interested to read a song, the read how things end the Song of Ice and Fire? Okay, knowing that this is ba- this, this is the ending we're gonna get. Okay. Um, B. How is it gonna happen differently in a Song of Ice and Fire? And I guess in just a more general sense, is interest in a Song of Ice and Fire? I know I'm adding on. Um, <laughs> Is the fact that we know the ending going to reduce interest in general, or is it more about the journey? Okay. Um, so, A, does this make me personally mm-hmm. more or less interested? Um, at this point, I've basically resigned myself to, if we get it, great. If we don't get it, we still have the show. I think that's healthy. You know, I try. I try to have healthy approaches to fandom these days. It's just <laughs> much better for everybody. Um so I guess it's kind of neutral, maybe a little less interested. Um, but yeah, it's just, oh, okay. That's not a, a huge surprise, kind of like you said. Um, well, I mean, I, I just think 
because of the backlash that yeah. happened in season eight, I think there were some people probably clinging to, which is not the way it's going to happen. Yeah. But again, I think most of that was about not what happened. It was about kind of how it happened. Yeah. So I never had any doubt in my mind. Yeah, Bran will become king. I yeah. do think it'll probably be a bit different in that's, the books. That's the next question yes, that it I is. have to answer. Look at that segue. Um, you don't have to answer. We can just have a free-flowing exchange of ideas in the marketplace. <laughs> you capitalist, you. Mm-hmm. Um, as for how it's going to play out differently, I think the bulk of how it's going to be different is going to come in who does the deciding because sure. of the whole who's dead and who's not dead in the we'll Song know of Ice people and Fire. Better, yeah. Right. Versus Game of Thrones, the show. Like, can't you picture Arian Martell, like, in place of that rando Dornish guy or something, something like that? Not Quentin. Yes. <laughs> um, Hashtag not Quentin. Yeah. Like, I think that's going to be the bulk of where it's going to come from. And mm-hmm. if Tyrion gets the big long speech, it's going to be like several chapters worth of speech. I can already picture that being a long, long bunch of chapters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're kind of relitigating things that are going to be now like three weeks stale, but I still wish there had been like more horse trading in that sequence that I, like, they they could have sold that to me. Like, they, 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 they could have. I just, I just thought it needed more finessing. I think it's worth relitigating it because we're talking about how it's going to play out on the other version. That's true. So... Yes, I think that's where the bulk of it's going to come from, is that we're going to get all of the horse trading and backstabby-stabby. And whether or not we'll be interested in it depends on how Winds of Winter and the rest of Dream of Spring plays out. I was also saying, like, uh, there's a fear that there might be too much horse trading <laughs> oh, like yes. with, with Martin, because, you know, he loves the details. Oh, yes. It's all about balance, Cheryl. All things in life are... <laughs> Balance in the force. Not uh, enough. Too much. Okay, yeah. And remind me what C was again. I was only was kind of, two and you... I gotcha, gotcha. And you gave me three. <laughs> C was kind of like a big... Um, and anybody out there watching this pre-tape version, feel free to leave your comments, <laughs> is, is kind of a, a bigger question of... So this was a pretty unique situation where we had a book series running alongside a show. Now the one has ended. Uh-huh. What happens to the mystique of A Song of Ice and Fire now in general? Like, apart from just, we now know what Bran becomes king, mm-hmm. like, are people still going to be interested in seeing, in, like, how, how the series turns out? Like, are, are they going to be as, probably not as ravenous as they have been over the past several years, and will be just as big a talking point? But um, do you think people are kind of satisfied now that, like, oh, I know how it ends, I'm going to drop it. Or was it always about the journey and that that's what they're looking forward to? Uh, I don't think we can put readers into one camp or another. No, I think there are only two camps. I know, but I'm saying that... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, there's a third camp, Dan. Let me have my third camp. Um, yeah, like, it really kind of depends, I think. What response you're going to have personally is going to depend on what your journey with A Song of Ice and Fire slash Game of Thrones has already been. Mm-hmm. So for me, where I kind of started the books in the show around the same time, I'm like, okay, I have had the journey once. I don't necessarily need to have the journey again. I'll sure. probably take the journey, but not, like, day and date release locking myself in my room right. to do it. But Quick tangent. Like, for yeah. a reader like you, who's so good at that, how long does it take you to read, like, a new song about some fire? It depends. Um, the last time I read them seriously, mm-hmm. like, it took, like, a couple days per book. Okay. Two or three, <laughs> maybe. Very impressive. Um, 
for the shorter ones. And then it was like three to sure. four-ish for the longer ones. But yeah. She's like an amazing speed reader type person. It's remarkable. I just read a lot. It's practice. You can America's Got Talent and just read books on stage. <laughs> like, and I'm done. Um, <laughs> no, that would be like a two-hour act, and I don't think I could be very interesting. Um, but, yeah, I think it kind of has lost some of the mystique because it's not like an anime where it runs ahead of the source manga and then mm-hmm. they just make filler episodes, which has been done infamously. Many times, yeah. Um, especially with Naruto. Uh, the long break or, uh, between the first part and then Shippuden, but yes. Doesn't Full Metal like that too? Um, I think so. The first one, the original Full That's Metal. That's a really cool point of comparison that I, that I don't see brought up a lot. Yeah. That, I mean, you know, it was so unique the story of the books are going, the shows overlapping them. Like it's never happened before. It, 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 you're right. It happens all the time. It in happens anime. all the time. So there are some comparison points. Yes. That, um, and, you know, I think we should maybe look into that maybe a little bit and see. <laughs> what successes and failures were there, because I'm sure there were some. Oh, yeah. I mean, Naruto is kind of infamous for how much filler there was, Mm -hmm. because there's a block of many, many episodes that are just filler. Um, But, yeah, I think some of the mystique is definitely lost Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, and it's going to come down to, do you want to take that journey again? And... You know, the path might be a little different, but the end result is still the same. And I think there are definitely going to be some people who are like, no, I have such a bad taste in my mouth from how this all ended. Mm. And frankly, the more I think about it, the more I don't want to read George R. R. Martin. So I'm going to wait on it or I'm not going to do it at all or something like that. So I think yes is the basic <laughs> answer to my question, your question. It'll be interesting. Um, oh, you know, of course, I'm going to read it because, I mean, come on. But, um, We've met yeah, you. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if interest flags in the mainline series. It doesn't really matter for him. I mean, he already has money in the world. No. It's fine. But yeah, um, what a unique little chapter we've ended in uh, American pop culture yeah. zeitgeist. All right. Uh, but Game of Thrones is over. But as we all know, HBO is readying stuff. And I felt really nostalgic this week when there were like social media posts about cast members for the new show posting... You know, they're little, we're in Belfast visiting the what and what and what. I'm like, aw, they don't know what they're... Like, HBO hasn't told them to stop, cut that the crap out yet, which is adorable. And also... Soon. Probably. And it, it, it just felt nice to be doing that again, because, you know, not everything is over. This did feel pretty familiar. But really quickly, uh, they're filming the Game of Thrones prequel pilot over in Belfast. Looks like it's ramping up. Uh, people Blood like moon. Jamie Campbell Bauer. Uh, oh, I th- I th- yeah, we'll have some images. There we go. Who was on uh, Sweeney Todd, Twilight, and um, Camelot, I think, mm-hmm. is in Belfast, Post and stuff. We got cast members Alex Sharp and Marquise Rodriguez seeing the sights around Northern Ireland. We got Miranda Richardson saying she's so happy to be a part of the show um, and thrilled to be a part of it. Yeah. So it's happening. It's looking forward to it. I don't really have much to say about it, honestly. It's happening. But uh... it, it does feel kind of deja vu-ish. Doesn't it, though? It does a little bit. Yeah. Do you think... So there was, there was some discussion on Wick about okay. um, are people going to watch this prequel after kind of being burned by the final season? Um, as always, it's hard to separate out, you know, the vocal people on the internet from just people who are just watching the show at home and then they <laughs> end it and they go like to bed or whatever. We are extremely online. It's true. <laughs> we are. 
I mean, in my opinion, I, I think that the premiere is definitely going to get some ratings. Um, yes. Probably a drop-off after that. I think the challenge for the show is can it build a new audience? Like, can it build an audience fresh? Because if, if it leans on the fact that it's related to Game of Thrones, obviously that's not going to be enough. No. But, I mean, I think what we're all hoping for, and hopefully they can deliver it, is a show that uh, kind of, you know... Just builds its own thing. Builds its own story with its own cast members. I like that the cast members are mostly unknowns. Yeah. With a couple of exceptions. And I'm just hoping that they can do something that is obviously a little related, but mm-hmm. different enough that eventually I don't want to think about the fact that it's a Game of Thrones spinoff. I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. Like, we have kind of seen this be able to be dumb, done to some yeah. extent with stuff like the DC comic shows on the CW, which all are technically spinoffs of Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But, you know, there are people who will not watch, you know, Arrow versus um, The Flash or Supergirl or Legends of Tomorrow. Like, they all have built their own different audiences by striking these different tones and that kind of thing. So I think it's very much possible that it will build its own audience. I don't know if it's going to come in the first season. I think it might take a couple seasons for it to really find its footing. Sure. Um. But, you know, Game of Thrones really didn't get big for the first... I mean, it was big, but it was not big. It was a hit. Right. But it wasn't, you know... It wasn't the freaking three-headed behemoth. Which, I mean, I don't think it'll ever be that. I'm not sure no. that you can't, you, you, can't, you, you can't plan that. No. But the general trajectory where it really mm-hmm. started to kind of catch fire in season three, roughly. Yeah, three, four-ish. That's what I'm referring to. Oh, totally. Yeah. Sure. I'm just hoping that it uh it it finds its own path and that it becomes a, a show worth watching. I hope it unironically keeps the name Blood Moon. I don't. I think that is I, such a weird. It's Come great. On. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's so cheesy. But yes, we'll that's why I love it. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll come around. We we also have very different online experiences. <laughs> so for Dan. He's like, Blood Moon. I'm like, oh, yeah, Blood Moon. That's a totally normal name. <laughs> um, but, yeah. No, I think it would be hilarious if they tried to sell that. It's probably not it would be Blood be. Moon. It'd be funny. I'm not saying it's yeah. funny. But. Yeah. All right. Uh, in other non-Game of Thrones news, did speaking anybody of, out there... Speaking of goofy stuff. <laughs> speaking of goofy stuff. Uh, I watched Good Omens over the past bunch of days, reviewed it for Wick. Right. You... Did not see it, but are you familiar with uh, Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, those old blokes at all? Yes, of course I am. Are you a big reader of them? I, I'm not a huge fan, and mm-hmm. I'm much more particular to Gaiman of the two. Sure. But I, I definitely want to see Good Omens, just there were exterior, ex, external forces beyond my control. Oh, sure. I mean, it's, it's only been out for a weekend, but right. I watched it. I, I, I don't know. I, I was excited by it. It looked mm-hmm. interesting. It looked different. And it was a lot of fun. It was fun. It was a good, good. fun show. It's extremely British. Excellent. Um, it definitely gives off like kind of Monty Python, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide sort of vibes in let's embrace the absurdity of it in that sort of British way that I think is not native to Britain, but no. you definitely get a lot of in the comedy of that. It almost put me off a little bit, honest to God. Like I've never been a giant fan of that, mm-hmm. but it's held together by those two, Martin Sheen and uh, Mark- Michael Sheen, mm-hmm. David Tennant, really, really good as a central kind of a, 
best friends, Angel and Demon, Aziraphale and Crowley. It was, it was a lot of fun. I love David Tennant, so I'm very happy for him. Honestly, I like Michael Sheen better. He was really funny in this. What? No, in the movie, in the in the series. He was oh, very, oh, very oh, funny. Okay. But, 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 but they were both a riot. I also love, like, you can tell that Gaiman is behind it. And mm-hmm. I, I, I've read some Gaiman, too, and I do like him. To prefer, I prefer him to Pratchett a bit. I've read a couple of Pratchett books, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote it all. He was producing. You could tell how much he had passion for the material by watching it. If you watch it, you'll see that he clearly kind of loves these characters and wants to wrap them up well. I appreciated that. I thought it was a good watch. Excellent. I'd recommend Good Omens to anybody out there. I mean, I, I really do mean to watch it. it just you don't need happen. to. Whatever you want. I just, things happened this weekend. I didn't go see Godzilla, King of the Monsters. How was that? <laughs> it was goofy. I loved it. <laughs> like, I walked out and I was like, that was certainly a film that I just saw with giant monsters fighting. Is it like purposefully goofy or goofy on accident? Um, it's a little bit towards the goofy on accident. It's better at the end of the day, probably. Probably. I mean, there's some really wonderful shots of all mm-hmm. these monsters. So that's cool. Um, and I do remember distinctly, so part of it, spoilers, uh, takes place in Boston. And I was like, that's oh. that, that's not what Boston looks like. <laughs> Is it Toronto-ish? Uh, yeah. I mean, they definitely tried to evoke the feel of Boston. But, like, let's be real. A, a lot of it takes place through Fenway Park is major. That's all I can, okay. I, all I can say. Yeah, so. um, but... My alma mater is right by Fenway Park, okay. so I know what that neighborhood looks like, and it was—it <laughs> did not seem spot on, shall we say? Monsters were great, though. How was Eleven? Uh, she was fine. <laughs> okay, good. Millie Bobby Brown. Yeah, she did. She did just fine. So, do you have any plans to see? Uh... X-Men Dark Phoenix. Not after seeing the reviews, I don't. Oh, people hate it. That's a shame. Oh, man. So X-Men Dark Phoenix, new X-Men movie. I think probably the last X-Men movie in a very... Do you realize these movies have been made since 2000? Yeah. Like 19, 20 years ago? Yeah. And there have been a... This is the, the 12th? Yeah. These have a very long history. And now, since Disney has bought Fox, I think this is, this is probably going to be the last one as we know it. Well, there's New Mutants. There is. But that's like a whole new cast. And and, I, don't, I don't think that overlaps. And that has its own problems. It does. It's been cursed for a while. So Dark Phoenix. I mean, yeah. People hate it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it it's, it's a bit of a shame because it's kind of the climax of the 20-year journey in a way. You know, this big iconic storyline from the Marvel comics. I know. Sophie Turner uh, in the front. Critics seem to be... Okay with her performance, but the general consensus is uh, it sucks, it's boring, it's aimless, it's kind of sexist, and uh, it's just unpleasant. I mean, didn't we do this before, like, 15 years ago with we, I The remember Last that, Stand? And I saw that. <laughs> I know! <laughs> and uh, we did, back when, I remember her name, I don't remember her name. Fam K. Jen. Yes. Perfect. Whom I love. Me too. She's... I remember her back in Goldeneye when she was the Bond villain. Yes! Oh, she was great. Uh, yeah, she played Jean Grey. She went, uh, you know... Dark Phoenix. Dark, I was going to say Ape, Dark Phoenix. And <laughs> she went ham at everybody. There we go. Yeah. And nobody liked it then. And nobody liked it now. I guess it's just hard to get this particular story correct on screen, I guess. I, I, that seems to be the, the point that is being made by this movie also failing. But I think the bigger part of it was 
X-Men kind of had its this weirdly circuitous like reboot that's not quite a reboot yeah, deal. It was like they kind of uh, shot themselves in the foot a little bit, I think, with all of this. And then by the time that we have gotten back to Dark Phoenix, we are all just kind of tired. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I mean, some of those were okay. Like I remember First liking class, uh First class. Is Days good. of Future Past was. And Days of I, I enjoyed Past it. Is good. Yeah. Like, if you look back at it, these things have varied wildly in quality. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Like I think Logan is considered probably one of the better superhero movies that have come out in the past couple of decades. Oh yeah. I remember liking X two a lot, but then you got like X Men Origins, whatever that was. Oh that was yeah. Holy out this new one. So yeah, it's it's been a, a wild ride. I think it's coming to an end. Yeah, and I think that's probably for the best. I mean, at this point, Disney is probably like, oh my god, what do we do with this? Like, I bet so- Marvel has some ideas. Oh, I'm sure, but I don't know how long they have to let it. The X- yeah. Let the poor X-Men breathe, guys. <laughs> like, it, it. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they get kind of incorporated into everything. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, yeah I'm not sure how soon it'll be. You're right. Yeah, I, I think it's not going to be soon, kind of based on what Kevin Feige right. has been saying here and there, where he's been like, we have not really made plans for them, like, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's the smarter approach here. Sure. Go a little conservative, let the characters breathe, wait until you have a good story, a good entry point, all of that kind of stuff. It's kind of like when how Star Wars is taking a break, too. Like, just just let it all sit for a second i mean i do want to point out that in this context like a break for like star wars is like what three years it's the same concept (laughs) like that's not that long no it's not that long but it's still something and i i think i think the the x-men break will be relatively the same maybe a little longer just because i'm all for um a generational break more of like an original trilogy prequel trilogy break That'd be nice. That's not going to happen. I know, I know, I know. That's the world we're living in, but that's yes. what I am um, thinking. All right, Rachel, any other thoughts about anything going on in the world of pop culture nowadays? Uh, no. Uh, Handmaid's Tale is back. Oh, it is. So stay tuned to Culturist for all the latest coverage on Handmaid's Tale. I watched the first three episodes because they all dropped today. Oh, cool. And uh, it's a journey. It's a journey. <laughs> uh, but I wrote lots of words about it. So Sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, thank God this is pre-taped because we are now going to try to bring on Josh Hill for A Song of Dan and Josh, though he's currently in a room with a glass door. So let's see how this works. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everyone. No, it's pre-taped. All right. Hey, Josh. How are you? I'm good, Selkie. We're back. We are back. We're back. This is the first... It's been a minute. It's been like eight weeks, I think. Like two months. Eight, two months without A Song of Dan and Josh. Well, I looked at it, and the last time we had done it Mm -hmm. was the show right before the premiere. Right. Of Game Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) The final one. Yep. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, This show, if you're just... If you don't know, because we haven't done it in a while, is a show where myself and Josh Hill of Fansided.com, Fansided's own Josh Hill... That's right. Walk through each and every chapter of A Song of Ice and Fire, George R. R. Martin's magnum fantasy opus, unfinished as of yet. 
uh, talking about each chapter, what makes them thick, what makes them special, what makes them good, what makes them bad. Let's break them down bit by bit and see if we can get to the juicy marrow of why these books are interesting and important. Oh, yeah. And okay, we are currently on A Clash of Kings, mm-hmm. the second book in the series, John 2. And by the way, Josh, let me start with this question. I was talking to Cheryl about this. Now that you know how it all ends, <clears throat> what is, are you still interested in reading the book series? Yeah, because I, well, my theory is that it's not, George R. R. Martin's going to change things. See, so, you're wrong about that. Is he, am I though? Like, Definitely. He's come out and said that? Basically, yeah, we were talking about it earlier. That, and you believe you know, him? The actor, 100%. Because he's so reliable with meeting deadlines. He, well, with, the reason he d- takes longer with deadlines is because he's very uh, particular about the way the story goes. I mean, he, he has said a bunch of times that, like, no, I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to change things. Like, his logic being that, you know, I can't change the story that I believe in and think is good no, just I, because people. I don't think he's going to change people. it. I don't think he's going to change like, oh, it turns out Daenerys doesn't burn down King's Landing. Okay. I think he's going to change it in that he's going to give us more context and he's oh, going to make it make definitely more that. sense. I so, mean, and that's why I'm interested in reading, and that's why I'm saying like I, I think it's going to be different because it's not going. He's going to change things from the show, okay. and that he's going to okay. improve upon. He hears our criticism, and he's watched how somebody else has written this show and taken the story and done what fans think is the wrong thing and Go not ahead, necessarily Jay. change it, but he's going to dial it back or a little bit and say, okay, this is how we're going to make it make more sense. Okay, I hear you. Which and, I like, and, and I'm looking and, forward to And that I can hear. I mean... Because we're literally going to go inside of Daenerys' head as she's burning down King's Landing. Wouldn't be interesting. That's awesome, yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to do that chapter. But then that's, he's going to do that, and then we're going to get perspective, and we're going to say, oh, There'll yeah. definitely be a gonna lot more buildup. I mean, honestly, yeah. I'm not sure you have to change anything, because if, if we keep going on this journey, as we'll see... He takes his freaking time, George R. R. Martin, with he all does. the characters. Like, I think he's going to lay... I mean, like, my big problem with the final season was, was that, okay, I bought... Like, I bought this as a conclusion. I, you, you could get me to believe in Daenerys and Bernard. You could get me to Bran being king, yeah. but I just didn't think they built it up enough. No, and that's he where he's going to come in and enough. build it up, and he's going to make it make a lot more sense. And I don't think he need. I, honestly, I don't think I need to change much because he already does a lot of building. The best thing for George R. R. Martin and the Winds of Winter mm-hmm. was how the show ended because people were already interested in seeing it because it's the anticipation of we've been waiting for this book to come forever. Now fans are kind of like what we're saying. It can't end like this. Like I need more. I, you're going to fix this, right? So and I, it could even be bigger than it was going to be before because there's that need oh, from maybe. fans to properly wrap up this story that we've been involved in for if you for reading the book since the mid 90s like 20 so. years um not that it needs fixing if you loved it good for you i, I don't think you enjoyed fixing. it i liked it like yeah i enjoyed it too but anyway okay john 2 i think this was just like the shortest chapter we have ever read breezy in this it Very was like breezy. eight pages yeah and so, not a lot happened and there weren't a lot of people this was <laughs> um especially high on the almost nothing happened scale so what did happen, Josh? You could literally summarize this chapter as they're walking beyond the wall, <laughs> searching for people that aren't there. <laughs> they don't find. And there's snow and it's cold, and then the chapter ends. I mean, yeah, we're, we're being sarcastic, but I mean... The, the, the point the, is, like, the White Walkers, right? Like, or, the, or the way we're threat. reading these is kind of like, you're not supposed to just read one and then no. put it off for a week. But um, we are. So literally what happens is, John and the Night's Watch are going... Yeah, beyond the wall, they're looking for Benjamin. They're looking for anything to 
kind of clue in why things are going all weird. Mm-hmm. And they go through a village called White Tree. It's abandoned. There are wildlings who live there. They don't live there anymore. And that's pretty much it. Yep. Did anything stand out for you in this chapter? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> it was <laughs> I'll admit, it, 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 it was a, a quick one. I mean, you know, it, it, it's set in a mood. Yep. I do like the descriptions of, you know, abandoned towns are creepy. That's why they call them ghost towns. Ghosts are spooky. You find a ghost town, people live here, where are they? Where did they go? Yeah. That's, oh, I'm, I'm sticking with that. It's a good one. Um, I liked some of the bits. I liked uh, Dolores Ed is mm-hmm. a, he was on the show. He's like a kind of the under the radar, not too flashy supporting character who's supposed to be very uh, sarcastic and sardonic. I, I don't think they ever really did a great job with him in the show, but I liked his line here where they find like this disgusting hovel with um, like a dirt floor and, you know, like just a, a dingy roof. And he yeah. says, uh, I was born in a house much like this. Those were my cha- enchanted years. Later, I fell on hard times. You know, being like, this was great. And then I got the suck. <laughs> it's funny. He's very funny. Um, I liked the description of the perpetually angry Night's Watchman, Chet, who will end up mm-hmm. betraying John later. The light filtering through the red leaves of the weirwood made the boils on his face look even more inflamed than usual. Mm-hmm. What a nice mix of uh, a beautiful image, kind of light filtering through weirwood trees yeah. to reflect facial scarring. Good times. But mostly, oh, I like that John uh, remembers mussing Arya's hair. Got to keep that alive. Oh, that's yep. cute. Again, I, I think we're probably out of the days when he's thinking they're going to get together. But it's good to keep kind of the connections alive. Boy can dream. Okay. How much older is he in this book than he was in the last one? Because I keep forgetting the that same. he's there. I mean, now 15, they're, the ages are so maybe. much different. Uh, well. It's fair. I also like how uh, the Night's Watch, like John kind of talks about how they're going beyond the wall and everybody's getting fouler and more short-tempered and quieter and just, it's uncomfortable and it's cold and mm-hmm. it's uh, sucky. The one person who's not is Sam, who is weirdly not enjoying himself, but uh, kind of coming around to the idea of, you know, like at, at the start he... That like whenever he closes his eyes, he picture wild things cutting his throat, and now he does it. It's going mm-hmm. away. Good for him. And John's line was that uh, two hundred brave men had left the wall, and the only one who was not growing more fearful was Sam, the self-confessed coward, which is cute. So, I know this. I'm usually ripe for a Star Wars reference Go right nuts. about now, but this reminded me of Forrest Gump. <laughs> um, George R. R. Martin's a child of Vietnam, is he not? Like he was, yeah. So I, th- I think it was a country subjector. So this had a lot of the Vietnam feel to it, where it's oh, like we're okay. just kind of wandering like around, that. we're not doing anything. Like, and there's this overarching threat that we don't know where it is, or if it's real, or if it's even around. And in Forrest Gump, Sam is the Forrest Gump character who just kind of <laughs> haphazardly comes in, and you know he's the only one who's not really complaining about anything. He's just there, and he slowly comes around to the idea of everybody's just out there, but. This because we've talked about before how George R. R. Martin's played on history and he's yeah, incorporated totally. things in it, and that was that's the main thing that stuck out to me in this chapter is like, oh, this is very Vietnam-y. All right, cool. So, I can take that. But, and I mean, really, yeah, I would ask for more thoughts. Do you have any more thoughts? It was a very short one. It was. <laughs> they go to a town, nobody in it. They find some skulls in a werewolf tree. That's creepy. And uh, we'll continue their journey soon enough. Next, I think, is Aria 4. Get back to a swing of that. We're back, baby. Song was fun. Song then Josh is back. Back. We'll be here every week, every Wednesday, talking about it. Hope you join us. 
Join us next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time here at the Winners Queen Facebook page. Thank you so much for watching. Good night. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.